This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. If the parent steps back for a second and realizes that for you know hundreds of years, parents have given their children other other solutions for off-screen activities that can be uh, creative and that can, you know, help the child learn and discover and uh, reinforces healthy child development, blocks and puppets and puzzles and, you know, even a cardboard box, right? <laughs> they can have uh, hours of, of, of play. There can be times where you can put your child in a safe environment, which can substitute for the screen time. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. The mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. We believe that awareness is the foundation for your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is such a relevant, key, and important topic these days for all of us. It is called Children and Screens, How to Help Children Lead Healthy Lives in a Digital World. And I am excited to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Pamela Hurst Della Pietra, who is the president of Children and Screens Institute of Digital Media and Child Development, which is an international interdisciplinary nonprofit organization that she founded in 2013 to support and advance objective, high-quality scientific research, identify and nurture talent educate and inform the public, and provide policymakers with actionable information. Using her medical degree, nonprofit experience, philanthropic resources, and a longstanding interest in media and children, Dr. Pam has become one of the field's leading conveners, curators, and grant makers. And in 2017, Dr. Pam organized, edited, and sponsored the publication Children, Adolescents, and Screens, What We Know, and What We Need to Learn, which is a standalone supplement to Pediatrics, the Journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics, that has presented 22 articles from over 100 named authors and provided parents, practitioners, researchers, and policymakers with a uniquely comprehensive view of the field. There is so much more to say about Dr. Pam, but we need to get on to business and get her wisdom and expertise. Dr. Pam, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome, and thank you so much for that introduction, beautiful introduction. 
So, Dr. Pam, what led you to this place, to this expertise, to this drive and focus of your work? Right. Well, um, I have a couple of children, and when my son was nine or eight, um, I found that I couldn't get him off of the video games. So I wanted to try to understand, with my medical drill, I wanted to try to understand um, how much I should let him play the video games. Mm-hmm. I also was concerned about the violent nature of the games yep. and also what would be sort of the long-term impacts on him uh, cognitively, um, socially, um, emotionally. And so I, that, that began my search. Mm. A mother's search for uh, health and wellness for her child leads to um, a new area of focus in your field using your background. Exactly. And so um, I always had a research, uh, research interest. And so I, I started to, uh, I had an opportunity to tour the country in 2012, 2013, late 2012, 2013. And I talked with a number of neuroscientists and pediatricians and psychologists and industry experts. And um, sort of the more, uh, the more I found out uh, it became clear that uh, we needed um, to bring the field together and to have them talk with one another and to uh, try to advance the science in the field so we could have um, more definitive answers. When you said what you were looking for, um, I, which was, you know, how much should I let my kid play on the game? Uh, play the games, be on the screens. Uh, is this a problem? What's it doing to their brain? What should we do? I mean, that is a daily conversation in my office and a uh, daily conversation with my wife at home. So let's jump in to answer some of those questions, which are, what should we do? And what is it doing to our kids? Right. Well, I think the first thing that we probably want to do is to uh, talk from, um, you know, how early uh, people are, uh, parents are exposing their kids to digital media. And I think, you know, um, most of us can see uh, and understand that it's a very powerful medium and it can be very uh, addictive uh, with um, putting that in air quotes. But um, mm-hmm. so I think, you know, what parents can do, first of all, is to avoid giving your very young children digital media. I'm not really talking about like video chatting with family and friends from far away, right? Mm-hmm. Because that uh, that doesn't seem to have adverse effects. Um, but... Um, I think that, uh, you know, as much as they can, if uh, you can turn off uh, the TV when it's not in use, that uh, it's not on in the background, um, and also uh, to um, understand how uh, other people in that are uh, engaging with your child, such as babysitters or caregivers, are giving... Um, we're interacting with screens. Um, so, um, you know, make sure that you're on the same page with 
your babysitter or your child care center in terms of how much digital media uh, your very young child is getting. And, um, you know, it can really be uh, challenging to mm-hmm. stay on top of that if you're a work, you know, if you have, you know, or both of you are, are working uh, parents. And, um, and also to be on the same page with your spouse. Because, you know, that, that can really, uh, be very much more helpful, uh, if the child is in, um, you know, hearing the, the arguments or, uh, that it, it doesn't wind up, uh, influencing the child. And, um, and then avoiding technoference. So, uh, I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, no. Tell us what technoference is. So it's technology's interference in daily life, and so what uh, what's happening is that from you know from the time that uh, that uh, babies are are born, that the parent uh, is sometimes uh, distracted with their own devices, and so um, there may be less uh, less touching, less uh, communication. And the the most important thing is that a, a very very young child and and all children, but especially the very young, feel uh, safe and nurtured and loved. And um, so uh, it would be great when, uh, for example, nursing, that the mother puts the device in another room, mm. and so that they're not distracted, and um, so that it. The device doesn't uh, become detrimental to the relationship with your child, mm-hmm. um, and so if you know that that includes turning off your notifications and um, waiting until your child is asleep before you uh, go, you know, so there you, know, you put them down for the nap, and then you can check your emails. Hmm. Or text, or 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 uh, get on your social media. That is so important because I was going to ask you. Let's start at the beginning of how young. You know, what do we do with our young kids? When do we introduce them? How much? But you just talked about before that, which is right at the beginning with parent and interaction with their newborn. Yeah, and um, so it. A lot of um, giving the child, the very young children, uh, media has to do with a parent's need to take a shower, to make uh, a meal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But um, if the parent steps back for a second and realizes that for, you know, hundreds of years, uh, parents have given their children other... um, other solutions for off-screen activities that can be uh, creative and that can, you know, help the child learn and discover, um, you know, and in, in, uh, reinforces healthy child development. Uh, you know, these include, you know, uh, at some point in their development, um, blocks and puppets and puzzles and, you know, even a cardboard box, right? Mm-hmm. Um so uh, they can have uh, hours of, of, of play. So um, you can, uh, you know, it depends on what age it is, but uh, 
there can be times where you can put your child in, you know, uh, in an inv- a safe environment, uh, which uh, can substitute uh, for the screen time. So there's a lot of information out there. Um, American Pediatric Association, American Psychological Association, a lot of a lot of very important organizations are putting out, okay, for this age, this amount of time. For this age, this amount of time. Is is the research strong enough from your perspective to suggest specific parameters for different developmental ages? Um, I... I think that, yeah, you know, with these guidelines, they need to be taken um, just as, as that, as guidelines. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the three C's or whatever really do matter, the, the child, the context, the character. And uh, so I think that um, we, uh, the, and the content of, of what, uh, what is being uh uh, ex- mm-hmm. you know, what the child is being exposed to. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think that um, in this particular case, um, I, I, can, I can say that a whole lot more research is necessary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for example, in the two and under, I think that uh, we can say that uh, it may be the case that... Um, Screens could uh, tell it. Well, we know that uh, television viewing uh, has mostly negative associations in the less than two. And for, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the rest of digital media, it may do more cognitive harm than good. It may. And Mm -hmm. so more research is needed. But, um, you know, because digital media can be distracting for very young children. And um, so uh, probably it would be best to try to limit or, um, you know, not give your children who are uh, under two, um, you know, digital media. And um, then uh, from then on, I think, you know, the the C's really do count. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it really, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics discusses uh, co-viewing, uh, and it talks about highly educational content. And if you look at the Apple Store, some of these, uh, uh, ac- you know, how to access this, these, um, this, the apps. Um, so many uh, <laughs> apps are claiming to be educational, right? Mm-hmm. And we, uh, it. it there needs to be a way for parents to uh, determine what is educational or not and uh, whether or not in, in the entire uh, holistic view of, of a child, uh, whether or not it is uh, beneficial or not in terms of child development. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm going to... So it's not just educational content. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's not just the educational content. It also has to do with, uh, you know, other um, negative possible... It has to do with positive, possible negative outcomes, right? Right. In terms of focus and attention, in terms of behavior, uh, sleep patterns, social issues, mm-hmm. right? Right. And that's, of course, as they get older and older and older... 
the social issues can come more into play. And uh, in, in my experience um, in providing guidance on this subject over the years is there is a difference, as you're saying, between someone watching a documentary or an educational program on a screen versus engaging in first-person shooter games. Like that, and I guess I, I probably should ask you: like, does what do those different things do to our kids' brains? That's uh, sort of a million-dollar question, but uh, you know, in terms of the first-person shooter games, um, there uh, people can parse out the different uh, positive aspects of the um, the first-person you know, violent video games, right? But, um, you know, in terms of strategy, in terms of high and, uh, hand-eye coordination, et cetera. But at the same time, there are, um, there's, uh, there's, you know, debate about the violent, you know, the effects of uh, violent media. Um, I, I, I do think, however, that uh, we can say that, um, a large body uh, show a link between violent video games and aggressive attitudes in toddlers, children, adolescents. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we we do need to uh, promote uh, more research, but we 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 do have studies that show uh, the association with you know aggressive behavior, uh, decreased uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, decrease pro-social behavior. And um, so um, it's best to try to uh, try to limit that. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, is very difficult because for a lot of these uh, young uh, people, especially boys, it's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if all of your friends are playing violent video games or first-person shooter games. You know, if you're the only person in the class that's not doing that, then, um, you know, those kids feel... Uh, feel really left out of the conversation. Absolutely, and and it's become dig- their digital play dates these days. Um, it, it takes a lot. Parents are adjusting to the idea that their kids aren't going to other people's houses. They're coming home after school and saying, "Hey, three thirty, let's get on and let's go on that campaign." And they have a team, and they can't get off when. Uh, mom or dad says, hey, it's time to get off when they're in the middle of a campaign and they're going to let their team down and it just turns into a, a lot of conflict, not to mention the um, what seems to be a physiological uh, withdrawal type response when these kids are getting off these games. So uh, it has been shown that there are um, that there are various responses, and that's one of the reasons that the World Health Organization, you know, recently um, designated uh, uh, video game uh, uh, video. I guess it's problematic internet use as a, a real um, mm-hmm. a disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, there's uh, it. It follows. Um, along the lines of, of some of the standard, you know, addictions. And um, so um, I think that 
one of the things I, I neglected to mention about the very young peop, uh, kids is something very important for parents to keep in mind is not to give um, their device to kids um, to soothe them. So a lot mm-hmm. of times uh, we'll see you're in the doctor's office or you're just, you know, with friends and um, the child starts crying and the to pacify the child, uh, the parent gives the, the phone mm-hmm. or the iPad. The child then doesn't learn to self-soothe mm-hmm. and uh, it, it also becomes kind of a spiral and... Um, so then the child, you know, first thing in the morning wants it. And then when it's taken away, he starts crying. Right. <laughs> and, um, right. the, they need to, de- they need to de- be, uh, be able to learn how to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, we're finding that this, uh, this leads to a certain kind of dependence. Gosh, this is so common. And for everyone out there, this is where we have to be kind to ourselves um, as parents because you hear all these things like, oh my gosh, I, this is what I do. And you know what? This is what a majority of parents do. Um, here, go on my phone here. And um, this is one of those things why education uh, is so important so we know how to navigate this new digital world, which did not come with any directions for us. Like this is, I feel like Dr. Pam, we're living in a human experiment. Exactly. And in fact, most, most adults struggle to manage it. And so, um, you know, not only do we not have the recipe book (laughs) because we don't have the parents, uh, we don't, our parents, you know, didn't, uh, for, for a lot of us, we didn't have parents that talked to us about digital media use, right? Mm-hmm. We got, you know, our cartoons on Saturday mornings and our, you know, few, um, you know, it depends on, on obviously on, on the parents, but uh, depending on uh, when, you know, how old you are, you were, um, the, the video games of today are much different um, than in in terms of the power uh, and their, you know, in terms of persuasive technology than Pac-Man was, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so um, what you've got, if you've uh, listened to Tristan Harris speak, for example, you've got, um, uh, you've got a whole industry that has built around um, hooking uh, our uh, brains and our eyeballs to those, to the screen. Right. And uh, using um, behavioral um, uh, techniques and uh, psychological techniques. And so it's no wonder that uh, something like almost 50% of teens admit to being on the Internet almost constantly. Mm -hmm. Which then brings us to something else you had mentioned um, about the World Health Organization and a new diagnosis and the phrase that we hear all the time, which is um, game addiction, internet addiction. So from your experience and research, is this a real thing? Well, um, internet addiction is still a somewhat controversial diagnosis, but I think it's gaining acceptance. Um, It's not necessarily a formal diagnostic entity with the... um, 
something called the DSM-5. Mm-hmm. It's the um, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that is commonly used by uh, clinicians in the United States in terms of um, uh, diagnostic codes so that you for reimbursement. So um, individual parents should, uh, you know, inquire as to whether or not uh, if they believe that their child is having an issue uh, with internet addiction or gaming addiction, whether or not uh, they are insured for that or whether or not it will be reimbursable. But in any case, um, I do believe uh, personally that uh, it's... um, it's something like an addiction, and so we can get it, we can um, get caught up with the nomenclature. But I think that everyone understands that it's an issue, mm-hmm. and um, and so um, I I think that uh, we we I believe that there are several million kids today. Uh, very shortly going to get home from uh, their middle schools, their junior high schools, or their high schools, and will stay in their rooms um, gaming for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, they will not get up from their chair and, um, you know, they, they may, you know, have their snack right, right there in front of the screen. And uh, they will not, um, you know, be uh, what they call uh, IRW in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will be, you know, um, experiencing the world through through the screen. And I think that um, that's not something that they can really uh, avoid or help themselves. Um, and I and I think it's for the parents to recognize that this is something that's stronger than their kids. And that yeah. they have to help and them. so and then how in, in these situations because so many parents feel helpless in this situation understandably so and it sounds like you know early on in your right. parenting career you took this on uh, as well so what what do you recommend right well I think the first thing is to be observant and um, you know uh, you know understand whether or not uh, the is are the games preventing your child from seeing friends face to face, interacting with them in real life to do something else besides gaming. Um, are they are they participating in extracurricular activities, for example? Um, have, have they figured out excuses to reduce? Uh, what the parent would normally think about, uh, you know, extracurriculars that they're excited mm-hmm. about, like other passions, and are they keeping up with their schoolwork and homework, and um, are they building um, positive relationships um, with friends, and also are they having a relationship with them? Because as a lot of parents see, uh, it's very difficult once uh, the kids are on to actually get anything else but a yes/no uh, <laughs> answer, and uh, the uh, the communication really decreases. Mm-hmm. So, um, and are they getting enough sleep? So, a lot of kids are uh, gaming uh, through the middle of the night. And um, this, uh, you know, it's the, the you hear about the blue light affecting their sleep. Right. So it's it's uh, 
it's affecting kids in a number of ways in that they're not going to sleep as early as they usually would. Mm-hmm. And um, then they have the, the pings and the dings that are keeping them up um, that are interrupting their sleep or disrupting their mm-hmm. sleep. And um, then you have the, the blue light right. uh, effects on the melatonin. So, um, and then, you know, if, if, you know, if they, if, if any of those uh, uh, turn out to be a yes, then, you know, they have to, uh, they, they should explore, um, you know, uh, and it may be a deeper issue. And so you can uh, talk to your kids about that. You know, you talked at the beginning about values, right? right? So talk. And so having a discussion about what with your husband or wife about what uh, relationships and activities you think are important and uh, for your child and talk with your child about, um, what what they think is important and how they want to remember those years and um, what role technology is playing in that narrative and uh, maybe to create a checklist of what the child wants to accomplish uh, every you know each day. I'm excited to tell you all about a company that is fully aligned with our mission at Parent Footprint to create a loving and healthy world, one child and parent at a time. This company is called Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to fish oil, and every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms all around the world and they take their mission as seriously as we do. Their mission is to fix the broken food system, and they believe that real food is medicine. They have partnered with us to give all of our listeners 12% off your order if you use the code FOOTPRINT12. You've got to check these guys out. They're at wildfoods.co. You can figure out, uh, okay, I'm going to spend an hour on um, homework and on, uh, or, or more, mm-hmm. depending on uh, the age of the child. And um, then I'm going, and we're going to spend this amount of time on activities and this time on, you know, so in reinforcing time management skills and um, in offline activities and hobbies. I think is really uh, very beneficial, and um, you can uh, you can determine a time when you will your your ch- your child can determine a time when he or she is going to be on the digital media, whether it be gaming or social media. So you know, from eight to eight fifteen every day, I'm going to be on social media, and from you know, I'm going to spend or let's say they're, uh, they love to, do, to, to game, right? So I'm going to spend this, this is the time I'm going to spend mm-hmm. gaming. And that's really it. And you can use um, uh, monitoring and, uh, you, you know, there are various apps to help your child mm-hmm. do that. And then, you know, establishing, um, I hope this isn't too long a list, but, uh, you know, they can... Uh, they can discuss with the child at the beginning before the child's on it about uh, what their expectations are so that it's not something that you're taking away from a child 
uh, once you've kind of given it to them and uh, also perhaps delaying, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving the child uh, this very powerful tool. You've said a lot of very important things. So I'm going to want to, I'm going to pull this together. Um, and what, what I'm hearing is something that I have found also successful, which is a collaborative problem solving approach. Right, a collaborative approach with exactly. your child. And I like how you started with, okay, here's what's important in our family. Here's what we think is important about how we are in the world and that we're exposed to different things and that we do different things. And it's important that we think about how much time we're spending on everything. And it's sleep and it's educating our kids about blue light, about too much time on screens, about how they're set up to hook all of us humans um, to keep to keep wanting to be on them and working with them. And again, a lot of kids are actually quite reasonable when you do this. You still have to tweak it. Um, so I think these are all excellent ideas. And I'm thinking about the parent out there who's been like, yeah, that's not going to work with my kid. My kid will not get off it. We have all these full-on conflict and war. And, and, and this is what I want to ask you and say is there is still going to be the subset of kids that we need to get external help because they are so entrenched. Well, I think one of the one of the things is that okay, couple couple of other points with that. So one is the entrenched kids, and um, the other is role modeling. You can't imagine how important it is uh, for parents to set a good mm-hmm. example. So that means that uh, when they walk in the door in the evening, get off their phone. Like they shouldn't be walking in their door, you know, on on their phone, either texting or and and say hi, kids, and then keep texting or keep mm-hmm, working, mm-hmm. right? It would be great, and I I know it's hard because you know I work also to um, to be able to um, devote time to your kids, and um, so that in the morning when the kids are, you know, you're getting your kids off to school is to, um, you know, that time when they're packing their backpacks and they're making, you know, you're helping them with the lunch, you're making lunch, whatever, is um, not to be on your phones during that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, to wait until you've dropped them off to get on the phone. And um, you'll, and then if you are reading books, they may be reading books. Reading has declined significantly. And in fact, um, this, this year was the first time that reading scores have declined nationally in all of the, wow. uh, the test, uh, times. So it's fourth grade, eighth grade, I think twelfth grade. And, uh, so, um, the, that's national, the, the nation's mm-hmm. report card. And, um, so, um, so, you can also uh, have rules for things like the car. And I know you've probably heard this before, but it's always great to reinforce it, that um, you can set times and places. And so it means, you know, when the child is going to school, um, in when they're at a restaurant, or these are times when you can talk, great times to talk with your child. Right, and um, you can talk to the child about staying off the screens when uh, when at an activity, and um, you just wouldn't believe how many kids are bringing 
on their phones to activities which uh, w- it would be unheard of uh, that that uh, in in mm-hmm. prior uh, years or generations that a child would not be paying attention at a sports activity or at a music activity um, that they would be actually pulling out their, their mm-hmm. phones and and be you know distracted in that way and um, so for the entrenched kids sometimes just pulling the plug is what you have to do. And you can use your cable provider or um, satellite provider, wh- whoever's providing uh, your signal. Uh, they they can be, uh, you know, instructed at a certain time to pull the internet. But, of course, that means that you have to be willing to <laughs> not have the internet after 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. let's say. And, in fact, um, China has recently enacted a series of laws uh, where uh, kids have to be off their devices um, from 10 o'clock in the evening till 8 in the the morning. The country has enacted a law? Uh, And if you can imagine a whole country doing that, it must be pretty serious. That is remarkable. Uh, That is really remarkable, and it sounds really good. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good for all of us. You know, I want to, um, something we've, you keep touching on that I want to just make sure that we hit here is social media and the impact that we're finding of social media on mostly preteens and teenagers, the impact on mental health. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Right. Well, um, you know, um, with teenagers, the, you know, obviously a substantial majority of uh, preteens and teens are using social media. And um, you have to realize that at this time, they do have a limited capacity for um, self-regulation and for, um, they're very susceptible to peer pressure. And um, they have, they want to seek autonomy from, you know, their family members. And uh, so they're starting to be independent. And um, so I think it's important um, to, uh, you know, understand that it could be. The promise of social media is that it could be used as a platform for identity development. But at the same time, there's some of these adverse effects. And these include, like, um, social mm-hmm. comparison, and I think um, if you have a, a, a tween or a teen girl, you have to, um, you know, be aware of and talk to your children about, you know, avoiding um, avoiding triggers of what makes uh, them feel jealous, and um, to. Uh, compare themselves to themselves past and present and not uh, not the other kids because they have to realize that it's a highlight reel and that it's not really reality. And um, and so a constant conversation about that uh, without without sort of sounding uh, too too preachy about it. And um, I think that they can try to limit their social media sites to one site. They can encourage their child to do that. And um, the kids have this thing called FOMO, mm-hmm. which I yes. I don't know if you're oh, aware yes. of what that is. Fear of missing out. <laughs> yes. 
And uh, so uh, that is creating a situation in which, uh, you know, uh, a healthy percentage of kids are unhealthy, uh, are sleeping with the cell phones uh, mm-hmm. under their pillows. Uh, or um, next next to the bed, and of course they're using the uh, the device as an alarm clock. But uh, it's important for the parents to get that cell phone out of the room mm-hmm. because uh, they are using uh, the social media uh, in you know in terms of streaks and in terms of um, you know just needing to be on picking that cell phone up. 80 to 120 times a day, that's not healthy, right? And so that can lead to, you know, stress and fatigue, uh, poor sleep. And so get the phone out of the bedroom. You know, you can have a central charging station, you know, Mm -hmm. elsewhere. And um, then, um, you know, as, as you probably are aware, anxiety and depression has increased uh, significantly Mm -hmm. in the last, you know, 15 years and um you know i don't want to it's not all doom and gloom i mean teen teen pregnancy teen pregnancy is at an all-time low as well um and that's Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. um that uh people are getting together Mm -hmm. less right uh but um at the same time uh we do uh worry about the impact on um anxiety, self-harm, suicidality. And uh, so it's very important for parents to uh, keep uh, in touch, uh, in very close touch with their kids about, um, you know, how they're feeling. Right, right. On, uh, on, and, and to be authentic on social media, to try to break the habit of highlighting only mm-hmm. what's best. And um, to for them to think before right. they post, um, and uh, so that uh, they realize that you know that they do have a digital footprint, as as mm-hmm. I'm sure you've told mm-hmm. told people, and um, also to be kind on the internet on on the social right. media. Big problem with uh, people not being nice all the way to uh, bullying and cyberbullying, um, which is something we do, unfortunately do not have time to dive into, but is something you're bringing up here is it's become a way that people can say what they wouldn't say to a person's face with the anonymity and spread it to large amounts of people. Um, and I, I think it's critical what you just said, Dr. Pam, about how to teach our kids to be kind and um, which taking a step back, you also talk about what we model, which is totally consistent with parent footprint is like, what are, what are we doing? Because we are being the person that our child is likely going to become in some way or another in some facet. And how do we choose that by being aware of what we are modeling for them? Absolutely. And uh, I think that, you know, especially with cyberbullying, um, there's uh, ways that your children can be, you know, uh, just a little bit sensitive to things like social mm-hmm. exclusion. So if you, if you go to, let's say, um, an event, especially let's say in the winter, you take a little uh, ice skating trip or a ski trip, uh, you know, go to local ice skating or whatever. Uh, you don't necessarily 
um, always want to, you don't have to broadcast everything that you're doing and realize that there could be one or two kids that, you know, might be left out and, uh, and they could be hurt by that. And, right. you know, just kind of be thoughtful about, uh, about other kids, um, you know, in, in your group, in your, um, in yes. your social circle. Yeah. Um, and if something has been said that's unkind, you know, you can be, you can be what they mm-hmm. call an upstander. Uh, don't just like be a bystander. An upstander. Okay, so here's what we need to do as we're get we're getting ready for the parent pr- footprint moment question. Parents, we need to be observant. We need to be aware. We need to teach our kids. We need to talk with them. We need to set limits, and we need to model the type of behavior we want to see with them in ourselves. Okay, Dr. Pam, the parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a person or as a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, sort of a defining moment was when I mentioned that I couldn't get my son off of the video game. And um, I felt that it was saliently different um, from other times when I would call him in for dinner, um, when he was, you know, having a a game of soccer with friends outside or uh, having him, you know, get off uh, a book that he was reading and that he was absorbed with. And um, I realized that, you know, given my... um, pediatric background that I needed to, uh, I, I felt that I could make a positive impact on, um, on this field and uh, try to understand better what would be the uh, psychosocial, emotional, behavioral, and, um, you know, cognitive impacts on, uh, you know, gaming, on uh, social media, on internet use uh, sort of writ large, and, you know, now texting versus face-to-face relationships, and, um, and, and... and AI, and I think that the uh, with respect to these new technologies, I think we need to be able to um, understand better how AI will mold social interactions uh, in the future and to ensure that they'll benefit the users for mm-hmm. which they're intended. So this, this defining moment not only impacted uh, your children. It impacted your career and it is impacting all of us with uh, this mission that and nonprofit and all of your research and all of your uh, speaking around to help us understand how we can have healthy kids, raise healthy kids in a digital world. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Yes. I, that my next question was, please tell everyone where they can learn more about your program. Yes. So, um, we, um, we're going to be building out in the next couple of months a site that is directed specifically to parents, but right now um, we, it's www.childrenandscreens.com. 
and um, but we we give a, a national and international congress every, every other year, and we're giving we are uh, bringing together interdisciplinary uh, groups of, of scientists and clinicians. Uh, to understand these issues better. Um, in March, we're having a digital media and the brain retreat, and we want to try to understand what's the relationship between um, youth technology behaviors, um, the neurobiological brain changes that we're seeing uh, with uh, kids that are on digital media for, uh, you know, the high mm-hmm. digital media users. And um, the the development of their cognitive uh, capabilities. And so we're bringing uh, researchers in from all over the world for that. And then we will be having a, a mental health retreat and an emerging technologies retreat. And we're also um, looking to raise money for an educational technologies workshop with the National Academy of Sciences um, in order to, um, you know, because... American students don't seem to be progressing in reading and math um, as reflected by either the PISA scores or the nation's report card in the way that we would expect to given the um, the uh, investment in digital mm-hmm. technologies uh, and educational technologies. So we'd like to give a workshop on that that would identify the key issues in research and um, and we think that that's uh, very important as well. And we're um, we're working uh, on another standalone supplement that will, um, you know, identify these new and evolving issues as well as report on uh, issues that uh, we had uh, first uh, reported on in 2017. And we do hope that... Um, that our policy efforts will bear fruit. There's a, a Children and Media Research Act that is currently, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Congress, and uh, we do hope that um, this will uh, be be passed because this will provide a research. Uh, this will mm-hmm. provide uh, funding for research. In this, this work area. is so important, Dr. Pam. Thank you for uh, spearheading all of this and leading to policy and education. And um, then every generation of parents is getting more and more information about how to deal with the digital age we are all living with. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. That concludes our show for today. I implore and inspire all of you to Be the parent, the person you want your child to become. Seek engagement, happiness, health, and awareness in your own life. Spread the word. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Subscribe to our podcast. And as always, ask yourself the question I ask myself daily. What footprint do you want to leave?